a Radio 191 FM podcast. And I'm joined by the director of the Otago Museum, Dr. Ian Griffin. Morena to you. Morena. How are we today, sir? Oh, feeling uh, not too bad. Lovely sunny day here in Dunedin. Makes a change. Yeah, it does make a change. It really does. Um, and, it, you know, it's something about it when the sun comes out. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And I mean, after that dreadful day in New Year with that horrible <laughs> Australian bushfire stuff, when Dunedin was turned into like zombie wasteland, it was incredible. I thought I'd woken up at 6am. It was ridiculous. I mean, I took a time lapse from my garden. And it was so, so extraordinary, and, and you know, the sky was literally brown. Yeah, and it it was just incredible, and it was really dark. I've never. The only time I've seen anything like that is during a solar eclipse. Yeah, of course. So, um, really, really weird at conditions, and um, shows really how we're all t- interconnected. It does. I mean, it's incredibly sad, but it does show how we're so connected. I mean, it, uh, you think Australia is miles and miles away, but you know, it only takes one, you know, um, not gust of wind, but a bit of stream. Yeah. To send that stuff all the way over well, here. Well, I, I measured, I mean, because I, I was intrigued. I thought, oh my gosh, how far away is it? And it's more than 2,000 kilometres, you know. Yeah. It's the closest fires. So, you know, the climate change thing is happening, the fires are happening, and they're having an impact not just in Australia, but around the world. No. And I, I heard this morning on the news that the. Um, the clouds have reached South America and Chile now, and Antarctica. Wow. So, you know, we're on an interconnected planet, and uh, we are. this stuff is important. And it really does affect us. I mean, you think about the, the particles from that landing on the glaciers uh, making them dirty and brown, which in, in turn attracts the sun, you know, keeps the sunlight... Um, well, that will melt them more, the, because, melt, yeah. Yeah, because it will heat it up more. I mean, but obviously the major thing here is the tragedy that's going on in Australia, but mm. um, we do see this um, impact around the world. And, um, yeah. you know, when you see things like this happen, you do realise that we are all on one planet, yeah. and we we're all connected and we breathe the same atmosphere and yeah. we live in the same world and, um, and, and as an astronomer actually it's kind of one of the perspectives you get people say oh, what's the astronomy thing about actually when you look at the earth you do realize how precious it is yes mm. we're finding more earths out there all the time um but you know we're the only place in the universe where we know there's life and we're not particularly doing a good job looking after this place at the moment so we need to do something a bit better i think that's right i mean it, like you said as an astronomer you look at um vikings blue uh, blue marble shot Absolutely. And, you, and you, you do know how small we are. Absolutely. And when you look, you know, there's pictures from space and you see how thin that little layer oh, of atmosphere is. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, I, uh, I am someone who cares about the environment. Um, more driven because I know how precious this place is. And there aren't, at the moment, we don't have technology to get away from it. So we've yeah. got to do something. <laughs> we better. We better indeed. Uh, we better talk about the museum. <laughs> new year, new decade. That's exciting. Uh, a lot of exciting things on at the museum at the moment. Um, and there's been many highlights from from 2019. Um, some are still ongoing. What, what achievements are you most proud of for the museum this year? Um, well, I think many standout things but for me the the highlight of the year was standing um beside the Kyburn river back in may yep. on a beautiful sunny day and watching these moa footprints emerge um which was just extraordinary that project i think um demonstrated the museum's ability to do really amazing research recover some really precious tonga and we did it you know, funded by the Great Peasants in Eden. Yeah. That wasn't a national project. We did it ourselves. And it was led by one of the young team at the museum as well, mm. um, with lots of support from the whole team. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things I'm most proud about that project is it shows how how we as an institution can do something really important. And, um, you know, other institutions might think of moving mountains but at least we can divert a river yeah that's, that's right <laughs> that's three right. days yeah um through the show i've met so uh, an amazing array of staff from um the museum and you've got an absolutely wonderful team there you've got some really uh, dedicated 
uh, interesting um, young people that are doing some amazing work. Yeah, I think um, because we are in Dunedin and we can't always afford to pay the salaries that other places further away in like Wellington and Auckland can pay, we tend to get young people at the start of their careers mm-hmm. and give them opportunities. And, and my theory about running a museum is that you get the best people, you give them chances, and sometimes they'll make mistakes, yeah. but they'll learn from those mistakes. But, you know, a lot of really great youngsters have come through our place, and they've gone on to bigger and better things. I mean, it's, sad, it's always sad when we lose some really great talent, mm-hmm. but my view is, you know, you've got to get these people out and give them a chance to see the world as well. So um, it's really great, great that you, you recognise that we've got some fantastic staff at the museum because I'm very proud of them um, yeah. across the board, you know, from collections, through, through education, through um, the, the design team. You know, we've got some incredible talent there and yeah. um, we're very lucky to have them in Dunedin. Indeed, indeed. Um, of course, one of the highlights, and it's, it's ongoing uh, until next month, is Challenging the Deep, the James Cameron exhibition, um, which I've been to a few times. It's, it's, it's amazing, and I think you need to go... Well, I, I I mean, I've been to that museum probably... I'd like to think one of the... Uh, more than the 90% of people from Dunedin. I've gone to that museum hundreds of times <laughs> over my lifetime. Uh, and I've been to that... I've gone back to the exhibition a couple of times. It's absolutely fantastic. What does it take? What does it take for you to get that kind of exhibition to Dunedin? Because if I think about exhibitions um, on that kind of scale, I remember the Chinese dinosaurs. Mm. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and, and we do every now and again get some big exhibitions like that coming through. But what does it take to actually get them here? Most of it is about relationships actually um, I'm I've always been a James Cameron fan I love his films um, I love you know the idea that someone is an explorer as well as a filmmaker uh, so when that exhibition opened at the Maritime Museum in uh, Sydney um, I was invited to the opening and mm-hmm. went there and I, I, I was just blown away by it I thought it's really good you know there's really cool science here it's not just about filmmaking but the combination of having you know stuff from the film Titanic and dives on the Titanic for me was really intriguing because I, I come up museums I'm not a, a standard museums person I'm a collections I, I'm someone who's fascinated I, 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 I use museums as a way of exciting people about their culture mm-hmm. and it's what we can do rather than what we have and that exhibition I think can stimulate interest in oceanography and climate change and all sorts of stuff so at the end of the, mu- the exhibition uh, opening I went up to the director of the museum there and said hey look you know if this tours we'd love to have it in Dunedin now as it happens it was offered to a lot of other museums in New Zealand and they didn't want it and wow. an exhibition fell through so I got this call back in I think it was uh, October of last year saying do you want the exhibition and I said oh yeah 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 when do you, when do you want to give it to us and, yeah. and they said uh, actually it was not, there wasn't it was October the previous year sorry um, I said oh yeah we'd love it but can we have it in 2021 or something yeah. no you can have it next year <laughs> so then I had to come back to the team at the museum and say hey look can we drop everything and have an extra museum uh, uh, exhibition this year and everybody got behind it and we, we pulled it off yeah. um, so not only have we got a talented young team, we've got people who can roll up their sleeves and get stuck in and get things yeah. done. Uh, yeah. So we turned that exhibition around in about three or four months. That's um, amazing. And to get it here, and you know, we got support from the uh, from the city, uh, massive support really to help you know bring it. Because my theory is, why should all the great exhibitions be in Wellington and Auckland? Yeah. You know, Dunedin can stage these things too, and an exhibition is something that's here for six months. So you, you've got, you know, effectively something that can draw people to the city for a long time. So there's an economic reason for doing it, as well as mm. bringing this amazing stuff to the people of the South Island. Um, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that um, we shouldn't have to go to Wellington or to Auckland to get all the great cultural 
experiences. You know, we've got some fantastic stuff here in Dunedin, and we can bring stuff here. Yeah. And the really cool thing is that when you pe- bring people like James Cameron here, they see what a wonderful place this is too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And Dunedin does things differently. Um, and I've lived and worked in lots of places around the world. And I, one of the places that really I think Dunedin is similar to, and don't laugh when I say this, is Oxford. Because yeah. <laughs> um, Oxford's a place that's got a fantastic university yeah, and really rich cultural traditions. Um, fantastic museums, brilliant places to eat and drink, and a great student culture too. And in some ways, I mean, it's about the same size as a city as well, about 100,000 people. Uh, there are great similarities. Obviously, there are big differences, too. Yes, of course. Um, so I do think that Dunedin has got that quirkiness, but also that you know deep intellectual heart and massive amounts of culture going on that, that is really attractive. And that's why we do get exhibitions like The Broken Relationships coming as well, um, which is another great exhibition the museum. Um, and the stories in there are just so you know, heartbreaking in some <laughs> cases, but <laughs> funny in others. And um, I love the fact that at the moment, if you come through the museum doors, you can go to the free galleries and see the amazing um, um, Maori material that we've got. You can go to the Pacific Cultures Gallery. You can then go to Broken Relationships and see that. You can go and see James Cameron. And we've got the Tahura Science Centre and the Planetarium. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of different things that we can offer the visitor. And um, I think that um, diversity of experience gives, gives us the chance to kind of draw in everybody in society whether you're young or old or whichever culture you come from and and that's what i think a museum should be it's a, a safe place to have unsafe ideas sometimes you know yes. it's kind of <laughs> uh, and i'm very um very excited about the the range of things that we've got going on at the moment um the, the museum of broken relationships you know i mean when you once again when you think of a museum um you know that's kind of a modern um, museum type thing you, you see some amazing things springing up around the world uh, but that's not something that we, you wouldn't traditionally um, think of when you think of Otago Museum or, or, or one of those big institutions um, it's amazing it's interesting it's modern it's vibrant it's um, it's really alive and it's moving um, so it's I mean, I don't know if it's a risk to bring it here but it's an amazing thing that you did well I think it's I mean to me it's one of the things that um, you know the objects in museums are meaningless unless you know their stories, right? Yeah. And in a sense, that's what Broken Relationships does, because those objects, some of them are like a toothbrush or a tooth or, um, <laughs> yeah. or, or the fake breasts, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> those, um, those things are meaningless unless you know the stories, and that's the beautiful thing about Broken Relationships, is those stories are out there for you to read, and mm. some of them, I say, some of them are heartbreaking, some yeah. of them are beautiful, um, some of them are funny, and every object in our museum has stories like that and it's the work of the collections team really to uncover those stories through their research and um, you know it is amazing um, some of the the stories behind some of the material in the museum I mean, for example I'm um, I went to Pitcairn Island last year uh, yes. on a trip to see a solar eclipse and um, you may not know this but the museum has an amazing collection of material from Pitcairn some of it archaeological That's right. but actually um, we've got the pintle and gudgeon of HMS Bounty now, if you're a nautical man, the pintle and gudgeon are parts of the rudder. And if you go into our Pacific Cultures Gallery and you go to the Pitcairn display, you'll see you know, bits of the rudder of HMS Bounty. Now, when I arrived at the museum seven years ago, um, I said, why the hell have we got this? Because to the best <laughs> of my knowledge, you know, Bounty sank in Bounty Bay at Pitcairn and yeah. what went on? And then I forgot about it. And then we had a visit from the then British High Commissioner, who is also in charge of Pitcairn Island. You may not know that. But, um, so... And she said, why the hell have you got stuff from HS Bounty? So I thought, oh, right, I better find out about this. And it turns out, we did a bit of research, that um, in the 1930s there was a big storm and the mayor of Pitcairn, who had the, the boat that went out 
uh, fishing was out in the bay one day and he saw the bounty wreck appear so he dived down and he picked up the rudder and put it in his garden um, and it was on display um, and he had a son who was studying um, in Auckland uh, Adventist Seventh-day Adventist College and he ran out of money so uh, basically the then mayor of Pitcairn hawked these relics from HMS Bounty around uh. all the museums in, in New Zealand and I got letters and it, it was what's fascinating about this is um, the letters from each of the mu- he, he sent to each of the museums are still available and their responses all of the museums except Dunedin's um, Otago Museum said we don't want it wow. but our director then H.D. Skinner who's one of my heroes he was quite oh, an yeah, interesting yeah. chap um, he's you know not example of modern museum collection necessarily but uh, a very interesting person for the time he basically said yeah I'll have that and for the princely sum of £20, we got wow. these things from HMS Bounty. And, and what's more interesting is, as a result of the correspondence that he entered into with Pitcairn, um, another letter came from Pitcairn saying, hey, we've, we've got this um, Moai, would you like it? And the museum purchased that as well, and that is one of only two of these Moai known to wow. exist in the world. Um, so when I went to Pitcairn, um, it was an opportunity to engage with the folks from Pitcairn and talk about the stuff that we've got. Because there is, in terms of museology these days, um, a, tend, a trend, rather, to talk to the communities from where these materials come and talk about returning them and this kind of thing. So I, I gave a little talk to the entire population of Pitcairn, yes. which is 35 people, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the hall um, on the island, um, and um, showed them some of the stuff we'd done and had a real good conversation with them in the museum. And we're, we're hoping to develop the links. Uh, so very interesting things happen as a result of relationships which is where I started out. sorry I went off on a bit of a tangent there no that's alright that's alright I'm, I'm fascinated by the Pitkins absolutely pa- fascinated by them I did a little bit of research on it a couple of weeks ago actually um, just because I was bored and had nothing to do <laughs> oh, no, it's fa- I mean an extraordinary place uh, not many people go there no you know, I've only got about eight houses that you can stay on on the island and to get there is a bit of a trek. I mean, we had to fly to Tahiti and then fly to Mangareva and then get on a boat for three days. Um, and the boat was uh, relatively small and the sea was relatively rough. So it yeah. was, you know, it was a amazing, uh, a fantastic experience. And then, as I say, being able to get from the boat to Pitcairn, you have to go on the longboat, yeah. which is, you know, staffed by the islanders. And climbing down a Jacob's ladder from our big boat onto the long boat in three meter swells was something, uh, <laughs> you know. Someone like me who I'm not great with heights was pretty uh, pretty stressful. But what a what a trip! And then you hold onto a rope on the side of this open long boat and you whiz up to the harbour and then hang a quick left. And it's really you kind of surf in on the boat into their harbour, which is quite um, quite difficult to get into as well. So real adventure. Yeah. But what a place to visit! Fascinating place. Amazing, amazing. Um, speaking of boats, uh, Dr. Claire Concurrent is currently on the Geordie resolution um, right now and we're having a ship to shore uh, with her next week um, which I'm excited excited about um, you know and, and I bring that up because when you think of museums you think of uh, places of the past you think of uh, static exhibitions uh, and a static building but that's not the case you know um, how important is the field work uh, and programs run by the staff oh it's, the museum? I, I see it as critical because I mean we're not the Dunedin Museum we're the Otago Museum for mm. a start so we should have a presence around the whole of Otago not just in terms of um, um, taking stuff from around Otago and bring it to Dean but we actually we're committed to kind of doing outreach and engagement activities across the whole part of this beautiful part of the world um, but the other thing we do um, is we do science engagement and science outreach and most of that is funded externally through grants that we get mm-hmm. um, and a key element I think of what our museum offers is um, 
the opportunity to use our collections to inspire interest in science, technology, engineering, maths, and the arts. Um, and Claire, at the moment, is she's a, key, a critical element of our, our outreach team, our science engagement team as well. And giving her the chance to go on a real research mission uh, to communicate the science that that mission is doing really is a fantastic opportunity for her, but it's a brilliant opportunity for us to get a staff member engaged in an ex- expedition like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel that um, the knowledge and expertise that Claire gets with a trip like this is something that she can then apply in her everyday work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, it helps us think about future exhibitions, you know, um, understanding things like climate change, um, understanding how um, the flora and fauna of this part of the world is changing with time. It's critical we understand that because that's all linked into the, the big problem that is climate change. Indeed, indeed. Um, any other any exciting things coming up for 2020 that you can tell us about? Well, there's a brilliant exhibition opening this, uh, I think it's open on Saturday, in the um, annex, the H.D. Skinner annex at the, the museum, which is the little building on the other side mm-hmm. of the, of the uh, reserve. And I'm going to try and pronounce this right, but it's called Buildings Roman, um, which is a fantastic exhibition about Zoroastrianism. Sorry, my brain. <laughs> that's too long a word to say at this time in the morning, sorry. Um, by Arise Katki, and that's a brilliant exhibition. It's very, very highly rated. Uh, we've got it for a limited run, um, but it's one of these little quirky exhibitions that's really important, and it's fantastic to be able to show this stuff, as well as the big blockbusters like Cameron. Yeah. Um, so that's very exciting. Later in the year, there's a, a dinosaur show that's um, going to come, which is very exciting. Ah, uh, we do like dinosaurs at the yes, museum. Yes. Um, and then there's um, a whole bunch of um, activities around the museum as well. Um, so there's always something going on. There is. Um, and... I often think, how the hell do we get all this stuff done? Because um, <laughs> if you look at the, you know, if you go online and look at the website, there's always an interesting program. I mean, um, as part of the Broken Relationships program, there's a fantastic set of activities. Um, we've got um, a set of lawyers coming in to give a series of talks about, you know, the impacts of broken relationships um, and provide where you can get support and advice. Um, there's all sorts of activities associated with the exhibitions that, again, um, I think give people a chance to, to learn something new and I think that's really another important focus of what the museum does is to try and help educate people yeah. uh, and give them opportunities to learn mm-hmm. uh, in an environment that's relatively safe and, and hopefully fun. Indeed, indeed. Um, Alright Dr Ian Griffin, thank you so much for coming over this morning, it's been a pleasure. Lovely speaking to you yeah, and uh, have a great day. I will too you too, enjoy the sun, you can get outside on the uh, reserve for lunch perhaps Oh, I'm going to try and see the space station cross the sun hopefully this afternoon oh, in nice. Clutha, so I'm very excited about that Oh, You will be, you will be. Alright, once again thank you so much for coming in this morning, it's been an absolute pleasure This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.